looking at different characteristics of what church is supposed to be, and, uh, and especially what we want our church to be. You know, when, when we started this church, Pastor Kathy and I had some, some thoughts about what we wanted to be, and we've been talking about some of those, and, and you know, a lot of people worry about the church today, and you've got, uh, you know, a lot of media seems out to get the church, and they want to silence the church, but I want to remind you, Jesus said this, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And uh, so it doesn't matter. The Roman Empire couldn't do it. Uh, the Dark Ages couldn't get rid of the church. Uh, enlightened Europe couldn't get rid of the church. And woke America won't get rid of the church. And uh, I had a friend of mine say this week, he said, uh, uh, I'm not woke. They, somebody showed him an article with the name of his church on it. And, I, and they were not using boys and girls restrooms anymore or something. And and uh, they said, this church is woke. Is that you? He says, no, I'm in a coma. And, uh, you know, but uh, woke America won't get rid of the church, uh, nor will CNN or Fox or anybody else. And, and so we need to understand it because Jesus said, I will build my church. And so some of the things that, that we believe that are building blocks for that, we've talked about. In other words, we talked about passion. We've got to have a passion for God. And uh, Pastor Kathy and I want to see all of us being passionate about our relationship with God. Because when you are, you're going to be, you're going to be intentional about growing. And, and, uh, and so we also talked about as we're passionate for God, we need to be passionate about prayer. That's why we started the 6.30 on Saturday night prayer thing. We knew we needed to pray before Sunday. And uh, we pray over the chairs. We pray over the kids there. We pray for the people working with the children. We pray for your prayer request. And so we need to be passionate about prayer. We talked about we need to be passionate about praise and worship. We're going to have to have another, uh, another rousing time because y'all starting to settle down and just, you know, we want to see some, you know, uh, moving because how many of you, y'all jump up and down and scream when LSU does well, right? You know, on the way over here, I, I heard something. They were talking about the decision when Drew Brees made the decision to come to the Saints. And, and they were talking about what if he had assigned with Nick Saban and the Dolphins? Alabama would have never been any good. And LSU would have had about four or five national championships. So, but instead, the Saints got a Super Bowl. So it's like one decision affected a lot. It's amazing how Nick Saban messes us up all the time in one way or another. But, you know, but we don't want to be, but, you know, we're passionate about football. We're passionate about LSU. We're passionate about the Saints. Remember jumping over the coffee table just about with the guy on the video when the Saints won the Super Bowl. And, and so we want to be passionate about our praise and worship, you know. And, uh, I mean, I'm... You, what more can you ask for when you got a bass player wears all that Tennessee orange? We need to, like, you know, get, get uh, something going here. I mean, so I want to be also passionate uh, about people because Jesus is passionate for people, right? You know, he, he, he left the 99 and went after the one. And so we know that, that we've got to have passion. And so we also talked about to do that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can't do that on our own in our church. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our church as we mobilize and try and reach the West Bank. And, and then we, we talked about the difference between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil is where we're trying to do it on our own. We know what's right, and we're duty-bound to behave ourselves, right? Whereas the knowledge of uh, the tree of life, we're saved by grace, and that grace draws us to live a godly life. And we talked about how our uh, our church is built on relationships and about how we grow in the context of relationships. That was the week we launched the small groups. And so you, you can, you can kind of be real in those small groups, right? 
you know, you might go in there with an agenda, but somebody maybe just went through a terrible tragedy. And so that group focuses on helping that person and, and things like that. And, and, uh, and so it's built on relationships. And last week, we talked about how the church has got to be, it's all that other stuff's good, but we've got to be based on the Word of God. And, uh, and so uh, we, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that every word of it is good and every word of it will bring us life and every word of it will give us direction and protection and all those things. And so, uh, you know, that's unusual. You say, well, that's a, nothing, that's a given. Well, not every church in America is based on the Word of God. Some churches have veered way off and they're into the to the very uh, different stuff. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to be based on the Word of God. And so when the Word of God said this is right, we're going to believe it's right. When the Word of God says this is wrong, we're going to believe this is wrong. And when the Word of God says go out and spread the gospel, we're going to do that. Even when people say, no, 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 you're supposed to keep it to yourself. Never talk about politics or religion. Well, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to go everywhere, and we're going to tell everybody. And so, and so that's where we've gone. And today, uh, we're going we're going to you know look at at the church exists for everyone else, and well, I'll explain that. I believe when we live this way, uh, like in Daniel three, people will notice. It says in Daniel six three, it's not on your notes, and it's not on the screens. I just threw this in a minute ago. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, that his exceptional qualities, uh, and by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Here's what, what that is. Daniel practiced his faith with excellence. And even the king, even a pagan king, noticed it and said, I can trust this guy. I'm going to put him up here in charge of people. When we live... In a way, when we live passionate for God, when we're living by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we're walking by grace, when we're uh, open in relationships and we're based on the Word of God, people are going to notice and you will have opportunity to share. And so let's make sure we're doing that. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means for the church to exist for others. Write that down. The church exists for others. <clears throat> it's not about us. Say that with me. It's not about us. You know, it's not about uh, me and you and, and two more. You know, we, 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 you know we, we oftentimes we worry about uh, somebody getting in our parking place. I used to do these, these large rallies. Uh, we would go and do these uh, assembly programs in schools, and then we'd use a church building or a gymnasium, and we'd have a 1,000 kids come back. And, and so one time we were doing a church out in Kenner area, and, uh, and so the pastor had a passion for people coming to know faith in Christ, and so he, he actually ended his Wednesday night service so we could have a, a, a really wild and loud. His sound system was never the same. Band in there that the kids liked. All the adults were outside in the parking lot going, oh, man, you know. But the kids were all loving it. And, uh, and so then, but wouldn't you know it, somebody didn't get the message that canceled their service. And these two people came walking in. There were two teenagers sitting in their seat. And they just stood there. I went and got them. I said, why don't y'all come with me? And they didn't want to do that because they didn't know me. But I explained to them what was going on. They didn't like it. They had lost sight of what God wants us to do. You see, it's not about us. We exist for other people. And there's a tension. There's a tension in that. We want to we each one of us grow and mature in Christ. But at the same time, we've got 
to expand and see other people come to faith in Christ. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so for us to be salt and light, we're going to make a difference in lives of people. See, salt, what does salt do? It gives flavor. It provides traction. So when you're providing traction in a loving way, in a morally slippery slope, then, uh, you know, people are going to be drawn to you. When you're providing light and warmth that shows people the way to God, you're gonna, people are going to be drawn to you. And, and so we want to see people come to faith in Christ. And so we're given a mission. We exist for a mission. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. Real religion, the kind that po- passes muster before God, the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless, the loveless in their, and the loveless in their plight, and guard against corruption from a godless world. And so we want to do that. We want to reach people. That's why we help people. That's why we feed people. That's why we do these things. It's about other people. And it's also why we do outreach events. It's because we want to see people come to faith in Christ. It's why we send food down the street to this little school. Because we want those kids to know there's a God that loves them. And in those bags is always material about our church and, uh, and about the Lord. And so it's about others. Say, this, say that with me. It's all about others. It's all about others. Yeah, listen, before you come to faith in Christ, it's about you and reaching you. But once you say, Lord, I'm yours, he's going, now let me put you to work. You see, he didn't, he, these seats are comfortable, but that's not why we're here. We're here so you don't get a backache so you can go out and do some work uh, for the Lord. And so it's all about other people. And so uh, we exist for others. So I want to I talk about that a little bit. So I want to give you th- some basic truths. I mean, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe that's why God's instituted the church. That's why nothing that comes against the church ever succeeds in coming against the church. And so write this down. We are blessed to be a blessing. And let me tell you, you might think, I'm not blessed. Let, let me, if you live in the United States of America, you were born blessed. I don't care if you're on, on sub, uh, uh, government assistance or what. If you're on government assistance in America, you're richer than 90% of the world. I mean, we've been in countries where people will offer to watch your car when you park it and, and for a couple of bits because they don't have food stamps in those countries. They don't have government that cares enough to give them free food. And if, you, if they don't get food or money from you out working, they'll clean your windshield. They'll sell you a pair of shoes at a stoplight, whatever, to try and make a buck. And, and so you're blessed if you live in this country. We, Pastor Kathy and I did church in a, in a, a, a little is, is a area. My shed was nicer than the places uh, where those people live. What, baby? It's a squatter camp. There's 40,000 people in that squatter camp in Africa. And, and those people came to church with the joy of the Lord. We were running by a generator uh, to do church, and it was amazing. And so let me tell you, the poorest in, 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 in our, on the West Bank is richer than any one of them. And so we're blessed, but why are we blessed? I mean, you know, here's the thing. You were blessed when you were born into this country because you have opportunity. You have opportunity to worship. You have opportunity to get a job. You have an opportunity to train yourself to grow. Why? We're blessed to be a blessing. You see, we're blessed to be a blessing. And, 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 and Genesis says this. God's talking to uh, Abraham, and, and, and he's saying, Hey, look, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Talking about Israel. And Israel was made into a great nation so they could be a blessing. He said, I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing 
<coughs> to others. And see, he's telling Abraham that you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed as a nation. I don't know if you know this. Israel blesses, today blesses other nations like, like crazy. They sent, they sent firefighters from Israel to the West Coast to fight the fires. They've sent food and relief work to countries that have had earthquakes. They have fed the Palestinians. They're vaccinating the Palestinians. You don't hear that on the news. 150,000 so far that I know of that I read about that they've vaccinated. They are uh, a blessing to other countries. They've also uh, are working on a treatment for COVID that's an inhaler that gets rid of COVID in three days. You know, I mean, amazing things coming out of Israel. Uh, you know, they provide fruit for Europe. You may not have known that. They got some really good fruit in, in Israel. You know why? Because God's blessed them. They went back and looked at the Old Testament and stuff that was growing around there, and they irrigate and they do what God said, and, and they've turned in the desert into a, a gorgeous place over there. They also, speaking of God blessing them, uh, tapped into the world's largest uh, reservoir of natural gas. Now, all their power is not generated by coal anymore. It's generated by clean natural gas. And so Israel's even a clean nation. I mean, it's amazing, but he blessed them, and it's what God's saying, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. They send food out. They send, you know, and, and if you watch TV, you don't think any of this. But God's also saying to you and me right here, right now, I've put you in this amazing nation so that you can be a blessing to others. Let me tell you what America's done around the world. Uh, after World War II, our soldiers had been all over the world. Well, those soldiers came back. They went to Billy Graham Crusades and other crusades, and they accepted Christ. You know what a lot of those soldiers did? They formed mission agencies and went back onto the missions field around the world, and they built hospitals. They built uh, orphanages. They've built colleges and schools. Let me tell you, America has built more schools, orphanages, and hospitals around the world but it's been the church, the body of Christ, that's done that. Not the United States government, and I, I'm proud to be an American, but it's been the church in America that God has blessed that has gone and done that. And, uh, I mean, it's an amazing thing when you see that. I've been to some of the orphanages that some of these ministries have done. And so God is, we're blessed to be a blessing. Say that with me. We are blessed to be a blessing. The next thing I want you to write down, when God blesses others, God takes care of our needs. When we bless others, God takes care of our needs. When we bless others, you know, the, the culture would say, hey, hold on to it. You know, get what you can get. Put it in savings. Build up your portfolio. And, and, uh, and, but when you bless others, God will take care of you. I remember when I was raising funds for Youth for Christ, I had a man come to me one time. He said, listen, I have filled up all the the tax-exempt things I can fill up for me, my kids. There's colleges paid for. They got money to start homes with and all this. And God just dumped a bunch of money on me and told me he wants me to give it to the church and to Youth for Christ. And I said, yee, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now I can get paid, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, but see, God takes care of us when we take care of others. Luke 18, Jesus said this, I guarantee this truth. Anyone who gave up his home, his wife, his brothers, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God will certainly remember, will receive many times as much in this life as, and will receive an eternal life in the world to come. So it's not just 
we're putting rewards away in heaven. He said, you'll be blessed in this life when you take care of other people. You just take care of other people. And he says, hey, good, look, I'll do that. I remember a girl and uh, we used to have in a, a church I was at, and uh, she was in college. And, uh, and we would, uh, this was a church where, uh, you know, you went to Sunday morning church and Sunday school, Sunday evening Bible study and church, Tuesday night visitation, Wednesday night uh, worship service, and if your Sunday school class did something on Friday, you're supposed to go to that too. Aren't y'all glad we don't do all that? But anyway, this girl, she would show up at everything. She'd be at Tuesday night visitation knowing she had an exam on Wednesday morning. And, uh, and she said, I believe that God will give me my time back. When I give it to him, I believe God will give me my time back. Now, she cruised through school, great grades, and probably has retired rich from NASA already. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, God takes care of us, whether it's whether you're giving your time, your talent, or your treasure. Uh, he gives it back. Look what Jesus said in Luke. He said, give away your life, and you will find life given back. Look at that. Give away your life, and you'll find life given back. In other words, what you give, he's going to give back. And here's how he gives it. He says this. He said, uh, but not merely given back, given back with a bonus and a blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And so you want to you be a generous person. And, and uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, Joseph of Arimathea, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, Joseph gave them Gave Jesus his tomb. That was his family tomb. Said, here, you can be buried in this. Gave that. He was generous. Uh, you know, and, and so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were probably wealthy people. God blesses people so they can be a blessing. And, uh, and when we bless others, God will take care of our needs. The third thing I want you to write down is the more we are blessed by God, the more we are blessed by God, the more he expects us to help other people. The more we're blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. See, God brings you and I through different experiences so that we can help others through what they're going through. And uh, a verse that <clears throat> I wrote down, it's not on your notes or anything, it's 2 Corinthians 1.4. Just write that reference down. 2 Corinthians 1.4. It says this, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, he, he blesses us to, to help others, and, and the more we're blessed, the more he expects us to give to others. So when he brings us through things, he wants us to help other people. Jesus said this, someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When somebody's been given much, much is required in return. So we've been given a lot. And God requires a lot of us. That's why we support missions through Convoy of Hope. And, and uh, you know, and, and that's why we give away a lot of stuff and, and things. And, and uh, I, I remember when I used to do schools, we'd take all kinds of candy. And we, we, in the mornings, we'd take donuts. And one, I had a teacher come one time and said, hey, look, they're just, they're just coming here and stealing your donuts. I said, you can't steal something I'm giving away. And that's what he's saying here. We're given much, and much is required. When someone's been entrusted with much, even more will be required. He said he didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't take us through things for us not to use that experience to, to help other people. I mean, he didn't take you through a divorce 
for you not to be able to help other people going through a divorce. He didn't take you through the loss of a job so that, for you not to be able to help someone else go through the loss of a job. He didn't take you through the loss of a loved one or a difficult work environment for you not to be able to help others going through those same things. It's, it's just, you know, he didn't do it just to get you through it. He did to get you through it so you can help others through it. Some of you can help other people in ways I cannot because of what you've been through. And we're blessed by God, and he expects us to help other people. So what is it that God wants us to do? What do you think God wants us to do? And, and uh, you see the section, what God wants you and I to do? <clears throat> Let me read this scripture. Because, you know, uh, you know, like I said earlier, before you give your life to Christ, it's all about you and, and you coming to faith in Christ. But then, what did Jesus tell all the disciples when he came up on them, when he recruited them? He said, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And, and so he said, you come follow me. See, when it's, once you meet Jesus, now it's come follow me. Let's get to work. And so Colossians says it this way. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Now look at that. He said, we proclaim admonishing and teaching. Uh, we proclaim him. You know, we're going to look at that. Uh, we admonish people or warn people, and we teach people uh, and so that we can present people perfect or mature in Christ. We want people to grow and be mature in Christ. And uh, he said, to this end, I labor, struggling with all my energy. No, he didn't say my energy. He said his energy. How many of y'all know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is better than the Energizer Bunny. I mean, it's a whole lot better than what I've got. And so we struggle with all his energy, which so powerfully works in us. So write these down. Here's our marching orders for 2021 for River Church. Number one, he says, reach them. We've got to reach them. Who's them? Everybody that's not in here. Everybody, that one person I've asked you to invite on Easter. You know, we, we do everything we can to reach others. I mean, and if we live individually and as a church the way God wants us to live, people will be drawn. They'll see you. They may see you praying at a table, and it start, sparks their curiosity. They, they, you ask a waitress, we like to pray for people. Is there anything we can pray for you about? That sparks curiosity. You know, as you live your life, uh, you're gonna, you're, God's going to give you opportunities to reach people. And so we've got to reach people. That's why we, we do outreaches. That's why we talk about reaching out individually. The best form of outreach is one of us talking to somebody we've met or known, and we invite them to be here. And, uh, and so we, that's what we do. We can't let this church become a little club. That's not why God put us here. We exist for others because Jesus wants us to reach others. And so, uh, you know, we can't be comfortable until everybody knows Jesus. I mean, I hear people say, come, Lord Jesus, like they want him to come back now. I'm going, no. I still got people I care about that don't know him. I don't want Jesus to end this thing before everybody I know and love knows Jesus. And so we're going to reach them. And uh, Jesus told a story about this. He, you know, he, he told a story about a man who prepared a great feast. And, uh, and he invited all sorts of people who had all sorts of excuses not to come. And, and, and we know he was talking about the, the Jews in the nation of Israel at the time. And, 
and uh, and then the, the people in the highways and byways are us. But I'll but, but these people came up with all kinds of excuses, like, hey, it's more comfortable at home to watch y'all on Facebook, or we're busy with kids' activities, and we can't do anything, or it's too early, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock's too early. You know, my daughter would say something like that, and, you know, but noon's too early for her on a day off. I used to always, I, I said, you know, I just want to be a fly on the wall because she was so hard to get up for school when she has to get her boys up for school. <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, but she did, you know, you, you do what you got to do. We, we come up with all kinds of excuses. And uh, it's too early, it's too late. So here's what Jesus said. Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find. That's us. He sent the disciples out after the Gentiles, after everyone else, after they'd rejected. And you get them to come so that the house will be full. Jesus wants the house to be full of people that have come to knowledge of him who are seeking for him. And so, you know, and so Israel had denied him, so everything was opened up to us. And that's a good thing, right? And, uh, and so we want to see people come to faith in Christ. And as long as there's people who need to know Christ, we're going to keep reaching out for people. And, uh, and so, you know, if we, if we fill this up, we'll go to three services or, or get a bigger building or something like that, you know. But uh, so we want to do that. So, what you know, the second thing I want you to write down is, is when people, you know, that reaching out, we're going to tell people God loves them and all that kind of stuff. So what do we do about sin? Number two is we warn them. We warn them. Once we reach people, once they come to faith in Christ, we're going to warn them. In Romans, Paul said this, Don't, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? And here's what I want you to focus on, not realizing God's kindness leads you towards repentance. The kindness of God is what draws people to repentance. I mean, it, 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 giving people a beatdown doesn't make them want to serve the Lord. I mean, I don't need you to tell me what all I'm doing wrong. I know what I'm doing wrong, and so do the people you know. You, 99% of the people know they're doing something wrong. I didn't ask guys in the jail when I'm doing a church service. How many of y'all, before you did what you did to come in here, knew you shouldn't have done it? They all raise their hand. You know what I mean? But they do it anyway. And so we want to warn people. And uh, the kindness of God leads people to repentance. And, uh, and so we want to, we want to warn people. But that, and that's why we do small groups. Look what the look what Proverbs says. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And in smaller groups, we can sharpen each other. You know, uh, in a small group, it might be a ministry team like the worship team. It could be the ushers. It might be the, the men's small group. You've seen when we've had people come up here for prayer, the men's group gets around each other, the ladies' group. In a small group, you can come in there and say, listen, I got issues. I need some help. You, you don't do that in a big group, but you can do that in a small group of people that you trust. And, uh, and so we want to sharpen each other. We want to, uh, a, a friend sharpens a friend, and we can be real. Number three, uh, you know, we want to teach them. This all comes out of that verse in Colossians I read just a minute ago. We want to teach them, and uh, that's what we do. That's why our style of preaching might be a little different than, than some places. We want to teach them, but that's also why our men on Tuesdays have been going through a curriculum called Fresh Start. It's just some basic tenets of the Christian faith, and uh, that's why we're doing the small groups, and uh, Wednesday's a little more teaching-oriented and stuff like that. 
But Paul said this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. <clears throat> now, here's what, here's what my responsibility is as a pastor. Pastor Kathy and I, it's our responsibility, is to equip God's people, that's all of y'all, to do whose work? His work. And to build up the church. And so I remember one time we were somewhere and they were having a discussion about all the stuff Pastor Kathy and I needed to do. Great ideas. And I said this. I said, hold up. Pastor Kathy and Pastor Robert got a plate full. So don't be thinking up things for us to do. We do them. We do them. We have a, there's a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And the reason we have a Celebrate Recovery ministry today is there's a guy uh, named John, I can't think of his last name, Baker, went to Rick Warren and said, I think this would be a good ministry. Here again, coming up to a pastor saying, this is what we need to do. And Rick Warren said, that's a great idea, now do it. And we have to celebrate recovery. And uh, John Baker just passed away a few weeks ago and so started a great ministry. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, we want to teach them, but we want to prepare each of you to do whatever ministry it is that God has called you to do. He said, this will continue until we all come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son so that we will be mature in the Lord. Uh, and so we want to be mature so we can do the works that God... See, we're saved by grace. I mean, salvation is free. Nothing you can do to deserve it or earn it. But then God said we're created to do good works. And so he wants us to do those. And number four is we want to help you find your full potential. We want to help you find your full potential. And, and that's why we ask you to volunteer. That's why some of y'all are good greeters. Some of you need to do something else. Uh, some of y'all need to be in the kids' ministry. I didn't hear any amens out of that one. Uh, you know, and uh, some, some might want to work with youth or whatever. We want to help you find your spot, whether it's on a team or a, in a small group or in a ministry or or something like that. But, uh, and so we'll do something at some point, uh, again, called shape, where you look at your spiritual gifts and how God has shaped you to ministry. And, and when that's offered, I want to urge you to take that. It'll be off of a Sunday or a Wednesday, but uh, you want to take that. And so because God's created us to do good works, look what Paul said in Ephesians 2. He said, we're God's workmanship. You're God's workmanship. And let me tell you something. God doesn't make junk, and he doesn't make mistakes. You are his workmanship. But we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, he's prepared in advance for us to do. And, uh, and so you want to do that. And so uh, we want to prepare you to do that, to help you reach your full potential. And uh, like I said earlier, good works don't save us. Grace does. Faith in the Lord Jesus does. But, uh, but he saves us to do those good works. So let me, let me have you bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads, and, and you may be here, and, and you, may, you may not know Jesus as your Savior. I mean, all of this might be Greek to you. <clears throat> but I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Because, see, I'm not pushing a religion.